This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. And Grealish. Grealish weaves inside. Great ball to target. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host and editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me is Mr. Chris Budd and also Mr. Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground. Welcome, as always, gentlemen, and Hello. thank you for Hello. joining us. Hello, Villa friends. Mr. Rogers, you are back uh, day tripping in Dublin, uh, I hear on the grapevine. Well, this is it, that when I hear Chris Budd refer to me as Route 1 Rogers, I have to come in direct, don't I? <laughs> It's. <laughs> I'm here to contest. Although I did hear there's some VAR controversy actually last week on the Scott Hogan touch count meter, but we'll touch on that later. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll touch on that later. Uh, yeah, now I've I've managed to smuggle in a couple of Irish uh, chaps uh, into the uh, the Wolves game, which is obviously now sold out. The cup game. I'm quite looking forward to that game now. But anyway, the first uh, and main game we are going to talk about in this episode is obviously the, a game that could have left us feeling many different ways. I mean, if it ended one all. I think the whole narrative changes completely. But uh, one goal in uh, plus four minutes at the fourth minute of injury time kind of changes everybody's perspective on the Villa verse. Coming up in the show, we will will quickly have a Villa dump just to uh, discuss what happened in uh, the Brighton game within one minute before we get on to the three points uh, from uh, Ajax plans of what they're going to do in the UK when they visit for the Chelsea game which they're actually banned from going to see. Also we'll look at the mass punishment loophole that Loratislava are going to do to manage to get 21,000 well allegedly 21,000 home fans into a game that's meant to be played behind closed doors against Wolves and also there's uh, there's been a parliamentary select committee on the administration of football and then we'll get into uh, the Brighton game uh, obviously discuss Jack Grealish uh, who put probably one of his probably his best performance of the season obviously in front of Mr Gareth Southgate mm. and uh, we might sneak some kind of mutilated form of the Scott Hogan touch count <laughs> in the show right before we uh, get on to the three points for you people who can't last without a mention of Villa, let's in 60 seconds digest what happened at Villa Park against Brighton in a 60 second Villa dump. Mr. Chris Budd, over to you. Brighton start well, really good passing, great movement off the ball. Horahan foul, clearly isn't a foul, let alone a yellow. Brighton score with a header, shit defending, good header from Webster, could have come to Villa in the summer by the way. Nearly 2 0, great save from Heaton from Connolly. Red card for Aaron Moy, the most ridiculous first yellow, stupid second, easiest decision for the ref ever. 
No VAR needed. End-to-end match, though, really entertaining. Horahan gets a free kick, good save, then scores. Big West fouls, apparently. Good finish, though. VAR bullshit, you could literally have time to have a Villa dump or a Villa dog. Super Jack ghosts in to score. Nice cross from Mr. Gilbert. Thank you, Mr. Gilbert. Brighton uh, threw it on the break, though. One all at half-time. Second half, Villa have loads of the ball. Horahan again, criminally, and Algarzi. All missed good chances. Jack gets the ball at the end, takes two players out of the game, sets at Matty Target. Thank you very much. 2-1, limbs, chaos, victory, three points. Still got five seconds. Anything else to add? Up the villa. <laughs> Up the fucking villa. Up the fucking villa. <laughs> right then, more on that game coming up. First of all, the three points. Uh, point number one. Today, uh, there was a parliamentary, I think I can call it select committee on football governance, or to give the the full title of the subject, the administration of football clubs. Obviously, this was all around what happened uh, to Berry and how the football family can let Berry slip out of uh, existence, well, as a EFL club. There was uh, two panels. The first panel, uh, I mean, the MPs were the same MPs, but uh, first of all, the witnesses was Malcolm Clark, uh, chair of the Football Sports Association, and Tom uh, Greatrix, uh, the vice chair, who I both know from my dealings uh, as a, a member of the National Council of the Football Supporters Association. Plus, there was a former director and uh, insolvency advisor from the Forever Berry group, who are obviously trying to save the club at the time. And uh, they were very eloquent. Then the next panel of witnesses was Greg Clark, the chairman of the Football Association, Debbie Yevans, the executive chair of the English Football League, and then Richard Masters, the interim chief executive of the Premier League. Uh, and I watched the uh, I watched a lot of the stream live. I mean, I'll put the stream in the links. So you can actually go back and watch it. And it's quite interesting to see. I mean, the fact, uh, just a couple of takeaways quickly, the fact that the FA first got involved in the Berry situation after Berry were no more a football league club, they got involved after the event, pretty much tells you all you need to know about how it's kind of set up. When did you first get involved in the Berry case? Uh, about four weeks ago. Was that after the club went out of existence? It was indeed, yes. So the Football Association first got involved in Bury after it had gone out of existence? That's correct. I'm just stunned. I mean, the Premier League, pretty much their representative was pretty much indifference. He was just looking at this panel as if it was uh, an inconvenience to his day. <laughs> Do you mind? I'm trying to earn money. <laughs> yeah, which also and and there's there's hardly any communication between the three. Uh, I mean, the the MPs were actually quite eloquent and on the ball, and you're wondering uh, this actually restores my faith a little bit in Parliament. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> after the balls up of Brexit, you're just thinking, well, these are just a bunch, you know, on both sides of the uh, the benches, you know, a bunch of incompetents. Uh, you know, fill in the blank. But here it's like they're quite erudite. And uh, you thought, well, actually, why why aren't these guys looking after Brexit? <laughs> this isn't the first time uh, these people have been brought in front of a com- you know parliamentary committee. They're almost f- you know familiar with each other now. So uh, so it's time for some actual action. But I think the next five years, hopefully football in terms of standing at games and also in this in terms of a government's a governance situation should hopefully uh, revamp for the better anyway point number two uh we've already mentioned i think in the last podcast we, i spoke a little bit about mad mass punishment as potentially not really the answer to uh, eradicate racism from uh, football no. but uh, wolves are obviously traveling to uh slovan bratislava for their europa league game and these you know poor old dog heads have been waiting since 1980 for a european away day and suddenly uh, they're not allowed to go. I mean, I think uh, there's about 200 through a loophole, uh, basically have very expensive Category 1 tickets. They're allowed in the game, but apart from that, that's it. But uh, there's going to be 21,000, well, allegedly, home fans through a loophole, which basically states... I think it's under Article 73 of UEFA's regulations, accompanied children and aged 14 and under... <laughs> from local schools and football academies can be invited. I think there's got to be a ratio so, of one adult so to ten children. Is this basically 11,500 hooligans are going to round up one willing child to accompany them? To the- no, no, no. No, it's, it's like they, they can... I think there has to be one adult to every ten children. That's still good odds. That's still good odds. I'd That's take still that. very good odds. 
only children can go. But it's a bit like the old days of war. They can bang the drum at the front. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bizarre... I think it's, it's really weird, isn't it? I don't know. if you, Can you educate them while at the ground in the ways to not be a, a racist arsehole? What I don't, a nice I don't know. pre-match PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the only reason you're, you're allowed here is because all the people who would have been here are complete racists. Oh, okay. Yeah, speak, speaking of being banned from uh, a European game, uh, point number three, uh, UEFA have banned Ajax fans from a Champions League game, obviously, uh, against Chelsea on November the 5th, which was men. Uh, and this is following crowd trouble. Uh, I mean, Ajax have got a bit of a reputation. Uh, the ban comes from a suspended sentence imposed uh, after their Champions League game against Benfica last season. I think it kicked off in Valencia uh, this season. So obviously that ban was kicked into action ix fans think they've been screwed over so obviously they've now uh in a situation where a lot of them have big book tickets and hotels for london and they actually put a call out to leighton orient to see if they're willing to host 2000 ix fans now i, I think i might know how this came along because uh, i'm a member of the uh football europe supporters group and i've been on a couple of their uh they have like weekends where you have like discussions and uh hang on a weekend in amsterdam isn't discussions david you can no 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 it's not in amsterdam it's not in it's not in i've <laughs> been to Amsterdam uh, on this but there's basically you have your annual general meetings and your voting and all that kind of stuff and I went to one in Belgium and Belfast but one of the guy, the two guys on the committee one of them uh, actually is a German guy but he follows Leighton Orient there seems to be a lot of interest on Leighton Orient I think it was you know what happened when they almost went out of business and uh, that picked up a lot of support from hardcore football fans around Europe who have followed their story since and there's also that one of the heads of the IX supporters group on the on this uh, committee so he's probably had a word with him he said hey you know you should go uh, go and see Leighton, Leighton Orient instead so Leighton Orient have got back and they said they'll be in touch with IX to see if they can facilitate them uh, I mean it's a happy payday for mm-hmm. uh, especially at 30, 30 quid a ticket according to Mr Bud well up to up to 30 quid it's between 18 and 30 pounds apparently yeah, so if they can get 2,000 through the gate, then uh, it's a nice little bonus. It'll be interesting sure to that... see if uh, Chelsea get wind of that and their fans uh, decide, you know what, I think we'll go to Leighton Orient instead. And we'll, have it, <laughs> we'll, have it off with, uh, we'll have it off with Ajax. I mean, On the, a neutral, the, the prospect neutral of, ground. Uh, the prospect of Ajax against Chelsea is just a nightmare mm. for the Met Police because it kicked mm. off before uh, the Spurs game, didn't it? Last, yeah. last year in the Champions League as well. So Ajax will come and they will have a crack. Yeah, I remember. I remember speaking to my uh, IX mate, and we were talking about tifos, and I was asking him, "How do you get, you know, how do you get your tifos uh, sorted out?" I remember I spoke to Liverpool about this. This was going back, and we were getting so much resistance about doing anything in the Holtens, and so I was just interested how do you know the clubs who are well known for it you know, do it, and how, you know how do they get away with it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he said uh, IX actually had a fund that they would give the fans of two hundred thousand, I think it was two hundred thousand euros a season, where they could dip into it to produce big TIFOs. But the condition was that because they were notorious in European away games for basically ransacking cities, <laughs> I think they were they're banned in several Dutch cities as well in terms of when it comes to the domestic league, that any UEFA fines would have to come out of that pot nah. of 200,000. So it was kind of a carrot incentive. Mm-hmm. It was a, you know, it's kind of a positive incentive, but I quite like the, the way they did it. It was, it was kind of progressive. Or a 200 grand sink fund to cause as much damage <laughs> as possible. Yeah, <laughs> just, just smash the place up. Maybe my mind's wired differently. I don't know. Carry on as you were. <laughs> okay, lads. I know we're famous for great TFOs, but TFOs end now. We've got a we've got a two hundred thousand battle <laughs> battle fund war chest. <laughs> war chest. <laughs> Let's go and buy a bazooka. <laughs> Well, no, they, they couldn't buy anything with it. It was just basically to cover their fines, uh, UEFA fines. So uh, maybe if Villa get back into Europe, uh, we can do a similar deal uh, mm. with the club. All right. Anyway, I'll be treasurer. Uh, we- <laughs> <laughs> Moving on quickly, just to give a quick shout out to the uh, My Old Man Said patrons. Uh, thank you very much for Darren Byrne and also Mark Green for signing up in the last few days. Please do uh, consider supporting the show by uh, signing up where you'll get access to bonus shows, including the anti-preview. 
some good ones coming up with Manchester City, Liverpool and Wolves and the like uh, on the horizon. You'll also get access to rewards. So I've just given away three pairs of tickets for the Wolves Cup game. There's Maradona DVDs coming up and also a, a few books that are actually coming out uh, for the Christmas period. So go to the Mailman Said website and check out the Patreon option on the menu and uh, please do sign up and you'll find more details there. Right then, uh, and also you can become a Facebook supporter as well. Just have a look at the supporter button on the Facebook page of My Old Man Said. On to the Brighton game. <laughs> first thing, just quick interjection. First thing I heard as I approached Villa Park, going past the Aston Station was the train pulling up, Villa fans getting off, and first thing I heard was the song about the size of Codger's cock. Um. All this kick racism out and Shea racism, the red card, whatever. It's the obsession, isn't it, as Chris said? This obsession with some Villa supporters, obsession with manhoods. <laughs> it's a bit worrying. Chris has gone awfully quiet. This is fucking weird, isn't it? I'm trying to like, think what to say. It's just weird. <laughs> You're the authority on this, Chris. You've mentioned it a couple yeah. of You made a point. I, seem to I did. <laughs> I mean, people say, well, you know, why, why is that I racist? Why is that racist? I mean, you just, just Google racial slurs and about uh, <laughs> black men's cocks, basically, and you, it traces back to slavery and Ku Klux Klan hanging gentlemen for uh, allegedly, you know, raping white women. It's just, uh, it all stems from there. And uh, it's something you just need to get educated on. But also, you know, forget about the context. It's just a weird thing. Yeah. So anyway, after you'd cycled past the the, the the train station on your penny farthing. What, what, what? After I turned round and went back home in, in faux disgust. <laughs> we won a football match. I mean, the context here is uh, it was the first time we've won back-to-back Premier League games since Sir Tim Sherwood managed uh, in May of 2015 when we managed to flicker into life for a few weeks and not get relegated. But the good thing about it is is we've begun to chisel away at some Mm. of those crap records that the media keep mentioning. Obviously, we're in a period where we were pretty crap for uh, a few seasons in that relegation season where we hardly won a game. It's all the ones that you guys mentioned in the last podcast that that Paul Lambert had was on a was on a yeah. merciless. It seemed like seemingly he was just desperate to throw every record away, and we're now, as you say, on the, on the repairing them. Yeah, so now uh, we've repaired the fact that uh, I think the win against Brighton actually uh, ended a run of fifty winless games wow. in the league when we fell behind at any stage. Which, uh, when you when you look back to what we did in the Championship when we came back from losing positions regularly, it's, to hear that stat, it's uncharacteristic of mm. what we know about this team. I and mean, if we go down now, because of what happened last season, we, we do expect, I think we have that, because obviously Championship's a bit easier, you know, you, it's if you go 1-0 down, it's, it's not the end of the world. That, but we expect to come back, which is kind of a good trait to still have until it's beaten out of us. But I think we will carry that on for a, for the season, at least. It's a very good trait to have in this league because I think that to take what you were just saying about the championship is that the teams in this league are, you have to be so competitive that I think if you just, if you're, if you haven't got that get up and go about you, I think that you almost surrender to the fact that you're going to lose. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that, I mean, we'll get into the nitty gritty of the game, but ultimately it was our sheer determination until the last second of the game that got us, you know, the three points ultimately. That's That's where that drive comes from. Which is a trait the team had last season. I mean, mm. even even under Bruce, uh, I mean, we were in, although we missed a penalty in in the dying embers of a game that eventually led to him being that was sacked. A sabotage. But, we all know that. Yeah, but we did come back, uh, to, you know, to get equal in that game, mm. and we we were picking up points in the last minute, uh, which uh, you know leaves us to think why people still leave on the 80th minute. I mean, I, I was joking on Twitter <laughs> that it's the 80 minute club, but. Uh, it's just a bizarre one. It, why going the first place if you're going to miss potentially the most exciting part of the game? It's out the door before Villa score. That's what Anthony and Sean do. <laughs> sit next to me, literally. If Villa are losing, they bugger off down the stand, and we always score. The amount of goals they've missed in the last couple of seasons are ridiculous. <laughs> it, it's literally it's without fail. They missed all the Villa goals on yeah. Saturday. They missed even even the one that got disallowed. They missed that. They'd gone down that early for a beer. It's a great goal, isn't You know, this the mm. biggest release, the biggest emotional release is scoring in the last few minutes. You know, obviously, and we're, t- we're not talking about games where we're losing three or four nil, or we're winning three or four nil, where it's you know it's a done deal, and you think, yeah, I'm out of here. The games, you know, the points are in the bag. In that respect, you think fair enough. But when it's one all and the opposition's down to ten men, and you need your 
crowd you know you need your supports to help you get over the line it's it's just a bizarre one it's like you know people have often done the comparison of leaving a film mm. with 10 minutes to go you, you don't really <laughs> why leave before the ending i mean the ending's normally the you've got to the trouble to get to villa park and then you go mm, i'm not gonna, i'm not gonna see the see how this pans out I, I just don't get it just for the sake of saving a few minutes in the traffic i just i, I don't know yeah it's like do something in the traffic so it's not dead time. You know, learn bloody Italian. Listen or to this podcast. <laughs> Listen to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Become a patron for this podcast. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the uh, kept the same team again, so mm. he, he fancied it. But I thought the mid that midfield struggled, it's very that, especially the first half. It's like Brighton had their number, and when Brighton went one 0 up, you could only see this game going one way because mm. uh, we we were struggling to lay a glove on them. They I were savvy, man. They were set up much better. And for the first sort of, I'd say, 20 minutes, it was one of the, the few times recently where I thought, Smith's been out thought here. Somebody has, somebody's mm-hmm. got somebody's yeah. got his number today. Like he's, They've seen Villa and how they beat Norwich and how they probably played at Arsenal and Burnley, etc. And they thought, you know what? They clearly had a plan. They knew exactly all the, you know, as, as Smith uses the phrase, they had their traps set for Villa and Villa yeah. played into their hands and Brighton just went through Villa like a knife through butter, like Horahan and Nakamba got walked through completely. Mm. Yeah. Did they single out Grealish? I'm trying to work out if teams actually consider him a threat or is it just, you know, we just think he's some kind of genius. I mean, we'll talk about Grealish in a minute, but this is the first time that I thought that he imposed himself on the game almost completely. And, and turn it around. Yeah, I think I think I don't th- I don't think Brighton went out to kick him. They certainly weren't weren't like some of the teams in the Championship. I think the last few weeks, no. especially Grealish, has actually had a reasonably not an easy run of it, but he hasn't been kicked all over the park. Yeah, I thought it was the first game where he he consistently carried the ball threateningly, yeah. you know, over and yeah. over and over again. And the the close control that we saw at times was uh, uh, I I don't know whether it was because Brighton. Uh, Quite physical, you know. They're, they're a big football team, but they they weren't. They're not dirty by any no. stretch, are they? But they didn't allow Grealish to do as he pleased. He was just he ghosted up between the, their midfield and their defence all day, and it was it was a nightmare for them. Well, I think it got, it got easier when uh, Aaron Moy got sent off, and I mean, shout out to him. Not not the greatest day. First of all, England uh, England beat the Aussies. He's obviously Australian. England beat the Aussies at rugby uh, earlier on. Murdered the day. them, Dave. Sorry, it's not beat them. Murdered them. Sorry, murdered them. Yeah. Then obviously, I think the key one was the the silly first yellow card. I thought, Stupid. and then instantly it was about five minutes later. He dives in from mm. behind. You think if you're his manager and his teammates, you it's just not think, a good what tackle. are you doing, mate? Because he was a you know he was a he was a presence in the middle of the park, and and that was uh, one of the reasons why we're struggling. So when I saw him go off, I thought, ah, this is mm. gonna you know this is gonna change it. Just to completely bag out our Australian listeners as well, the the winner was scored past their uh, number one goalkeeper as well. He's in goal for them. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. Uh, anyway, as you were. <laughs> Who I think if he, if I think if Ryan was, because uh, he's quite, he's, I mean, he's at least six foot, but he's still short for a modern day goalkeeper when you're going up for a cross against Wesley. So I think half of the reason that was given was because it was the keeper looked short and. Uh, <laughs> It was a sympathy vote. He looked short short because he (laughs) flapped at it. And he looked like he was being bullied, I think. Uh, I mean, it was Grealish that basically got him sent off there. Mm. I mean, Grealish is fouling more. I mean, I don't know if you're just on an aside. Did you see uh, Grealish talking about music on, is it one of the Match of the Day spin-offs? Music, music. Music, the way he pronounces it, music. I mean, uh, that kind of had me giggling for the weekend uh, after that. I yeah, well, I won't be getting in the studio with him. Mm-hmm. Every time me and my friend made a reference to music, uh, we were saying music. 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 Anyway, sorry sorry uh, to our Brummy listeners uh, out there. If, I don't know. But that's not a Brummy thing, is it? Well, is it? He's quite broad, isn't he, Grealish? Yeah. I mean, I've got a Birmingham postcode, but I say music. I thought it was music for everybody. I didn't know. Uh, music to my ears. That was the first time I've... First time I've ever heard music, as in the cow, music. Anyway, we can't bag him out. He was superb, so we'll carry on. He's a great footballer. It doesn't matter he can't speak. It's irrelevant. <laughs> it's irrelevant. <laughs> we'll get him some speech and language later. Right, let's get on to the VAR, because oh, it's a God, weekly thing. We, we, should come, we need to come up with some fucking weekly segment on VAR. But Horahan's goal, because I, 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 was, uh, I was sitting... Uh, <laughs> in front of a rail like front i didn't have anybody in front of me so i could really go for it in terms of celebration so i could jump on the rail Did you? 
so yeah, it went went mad because I thought, yeah, I couldn't see us. You know, we obviously went. They went down to ten men, and you're thinking, right, there was that release still of them going down to ten men. So you've still got that celebration building up, thinking, oh, we we look like we're going to get you know steamrolled through here. Suddenly, the whole game's flipped. Horahan bangs it in, and you're thinking, here we go. The second half's all set up, celebrating big time. And then uh, you think that's it. And then, I mean, I said I, I tweeted this, and I wasn't exaggerated. Somebody was making out I was exaggerating, but I literally sat down. Mr. Blick, David Blick, uh, Warwickshire gin. Thanks for thanks for the gin. <laughs> David Blick walked past me. He was getting the drinks in, so he, he was walking down the uh, through to the concourse. And I'll say, yeah, you know, get me a purity or whatever. Then I thought, I think it was like you know, it's another ten seconds. I thought oh, I'm going to join him, so I jumped over the rail. Sunday morning, wasn't it? Was it Sunday morning? Well, yeah. <laughs> Went down <laughs> to the concourse, looked for him, and you know that wasn't like it wasn't. I couldn't see him straight away, so I was like <laughs> hanging around. I thought oh, maybe he's been in the toilet or something. I don't know. Then he appeared, had the drinks. We had a you know little chat. Drank them. <laughs> celebrating you know thinking yeah we're going to win this now it's one all had a sip of beer and then looked up to the monitor and it's uh suddenly the goal doesn't you know they show the replay and then suddenly it's, and i'm thinking how the fuck can it be this late i mean it's a, it was this exactly the same with burnley and the mcginn thing it was deja vu for me that i had, I had the opportunity to film the goal film the celebration trim the clip <laughs> had it primed on because i'm the only person who can seemingly get a signal in this godforsaken ground and i'm like what what the fuck you know, everyone's back in the other half, and he, no one in the ground. No referee. Yeah. There was no objection from any of the players. I, I, it was just bizarre. Even on reviewing it, I don't get it. Wolves had a similar situation against Southampton as well. Mm. I saw a match of the yes. day where they scored. You know, celebrations, blah blah blah. The Saints are kicking off. The it's referee blows the whistle, <laughs> and they kick off. And uh, I think the referee was blowing because it was a. You know, he got a thing in his ear that it was a VAR decision but Southampton just thought oh, that's the kickoff whistle here we go mm. obviously in the Watford game they put up the wrong judgment <laughs> on the screen and the application of of it shambles it's insane it's insane and the Premier League <sighs> it's making the Premier League which prides itself I think on that professional and yeah, sharp it's meant to be a polished um, really polished, well packaged yeah, polished, product, well polished yeah that's what I'm trying to say and this it's is a shambles it's a shambles it and there's no it's actually got to the point now where it's it's laughably bad it's actually affecting the competition yeah and that's the key for me I mean Grealish scored like two minutes into injury time and the end of the first half and I I didn't celebrate I didn't I didn't and most people around just looked up and just you know it you, was the you, most you, apathetic everyone up in the uh, top of the halting was just making ironic VAR signals to the referee yeah. It was weird, completely. And even Grealish was a bit muted. It is affecting the ecstasy of scoring a goal, isn't it? And celebrating. What I did like about it, just we, we'll, just quickly, we'll, we'll get back onto VAR. Grealish like, picked the ball up on the right, and he, he had this, this intent about him, that mm. he was, like he, he was going to put that fucking VAR decision right. It was almost like he was the anti-VAR or the antidote. And he got the ball. He wanted, he was, I think he was expecting a 1-2 with Wesley. And uh, Wesley obviously laid it off, but mm. uh, Grealish carried on his run to get into the obviously centre to end up on the edge of the six-yard box and bundle it home. But he, there was a lot of determination there. I think that he was sparked into life by that VAR decision. But on, on a side note, I mean, I contacted the club about VAR because uh, I had a meeting with the Football Supporters Association. You know, in the uh, the group emails leading up to that, I, I said, look, we've got to do something about in-stadium uh, communication of VAR because give, citing the example of what happened against Burnley and I'm saying there seems to be an inconsistency there because at the Spurs game at the start of the season, you could see uh, it on the screens when VAR was being looked at. And it was kind of, you know, humming in the background. And I thought, ah, this this VAR thing's actually working out. I mean, the first couple of games, I think we, as a Villa fan, our experience was, and, you know, I'm sure if you listen back on the podcast at that time, it was like, yeah, yeah, this VAR thing seems to be, you know, fine, you know, no problem. But then, I mean, God knows what's happening. But the issue of in-stadium communication, the Burnley thing, where it was nothing, there was nothing on the screen. And so I, I, uh, I put it on the agenda for this meeting with the Football Supporters Association and a lot of other fan groups from different clubs were saying they had similar issues with it. Didn't seem to be any consistency from match to match what they were actually receiving in stadium. And uh, I contacted Villards because I wanted their point of view, their side of the story, what happened at Burnley. Mm. And uh, I mean, apparently they get the feeds from the Premier League, and they basically have somebody in the stadium uh, on you know Villa staff side of things who just presses the switch and you know it appears on the screen. Nothing came through 
from the Premier League. So they, they had nothing to show the fans. It, so they're sitting around. Uh, it was nothing to do with like old screens. Uh, I mean, because I said, uh, weren't we promised new screens uh, for the start of the season? Uh, because they had to be, you know, we had to be set up to be VAR abled for the new season. <laughs> And uh, clubs say, well, we are, you know, it has nothing to do with the screens. The current screens can do the job. And, and by the way, we should have the new screens basically by the end of this year. Okay. So look out for them. But it's, it seems to be the Premier League uh, problem. And, you know, just on an aside, the, the club have officially complained to the Premier League about VAR and how it's being used. Obviously, citing obvious examples, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, when we should have had a penalty. It must have been quite a short letter. Stop fucking us over. <laughs> <laughs> Stop cheating. But, you know, you only have to flick on match of the day uh, and see that pretty much every club's going through the same... Mm. Uh, I've never known something be implemented so dreadfully because it has all the potential and all the technology to back it yeah. working. They've just rolled it out in such a farcical, amateurish it's fashion. Unbelievable. It's and unbelievable. Back in March, they invited... Uh, well, they had a meeting with uh, the Football Supports Association and they were saying, yeah, it's very key about in, you know, in-stadium uh, communication and we want you to report back to us and blah, blah, blah. And then they invited people to actually the, the HQ and uh, I, unfortunately I was away on the day. Uh, also, it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. So I couldn't go to see it with my own eyes, but I was thinking, well, this seems like the, you know, they're, they're kind of keeping people informed and you know, it should be all right. But I'm just, I mean, I'm totally for VAR. In terms of how other sports use, uh, you know, the actual, uh, the backup, should I say, of video technology. I watched the uh, South Africa-Japan rugby game. I think it was an England uh, referee. And you watched that and you thought, this referee completely in control of the game. And you, he requests to see, you know, what happened. He uses VAR to, you know, you, you basically say, yeah, yeah, tell me what happened, blah, 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 blah. And you think, well, surely this is what should should be happening here. It shouldn't be like this inconsistency where can a VAR person sitting, you know, in another town or, or whatever dictate what should happen and overrule a referee? Should it not be just the referee Call, you know, unless it's blatant, but it, these aren't blatant decisions. That that kind of Horan goal, the Wesley and the goalkeeper, that's not a that's not a blatant foul. Where they call it clear and obvious error, don't they? Has there been a clear and obvious yeah. error on this decision? No. Is it? A, it's because that is a very borderline decision. You know, we're not talking about an obvious or not obvious offside or a line based decision or um, subjective. Because yeah, it's a subjective decision. It's not like a like a goal line or something. And it should have said, unless the referee says, "Can I get a review of that?" Mm-hmm. In terms of tackles, from my understanding of what I've read of it, it's only meant to be used for a tackle for dangerous foul mm-hmm, play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. The uh, I thought it was any you know in basically extreme decisions. And that's decisions. what Alan Shearer on the bloody screens before the game talks about. They're making it up as they go yeah, along. Yeah, they're making this up as they go yeah, along. Yeah, no, completely. Like, I understood as much as they rolled it out wrongly and slowly. I understand the Horahan one against Burnley. It's frustrating, but if people the see, correct decision, but, it, but if it's, but if it, yeah, so the, yes. the, the, the Horahan being offside and the McGinn goal, you think yeah. okay, Ike's, I'm frustrated by it because it's minuscule. It was but, the time, it was but, the time it took, but it's the right decision. So be it. Yeah, on mm. that one was the time. This one, it's the time, and it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, and in all fairness, the one, at, the, the the decision at Watford, the Watford Spurs one was laughable. The one at yeah, Old Trafford sure. for uh, for the Manchester United goal not being disallowed was. Appalling. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, mm. the bottom line, I mean, there's so many. We could we could spend all day going through them all. But I think the bottom line is, A, the speed of it has to be quick. Back in the old days with the offside, you know, if a goal's offside, you're celebrating. And it's if you see it out the corner of the eye, you see the lines move, the flag in the air, and, and you've stopped. You haven't put that... Mm goal celebration emotion in the uh, you know in your football memories account it's not banked because you've before you've made the deposit before you've made the deposit you've seen that flag so you know you haven't walked out the bank or whatever but this is like not only have you deposited it you've left the bank you've walked down the street it's basically it's become part of your football memories already because it's it's had a good few minutes to uh digest and it's like you can't suddenly swip swap it around this it's just too slow and then the inconsistency i think it's another thing that villa is a club are not happy about it's just the inconsistency of decisions and we now go into games where we we haven't got a clue you know when you see the VAR sign you, the first thing you think is you know now what yeah when yeah. I watched that rugby game and I thought there's a guy referees in complete control he's pretty much talking the players through it because they're mic'd up so you can hear mm-hmm. what they're saying and he's using VAR t- to make sure his to decisions are good yeah, yeah yeah it's to aid him yeah and in in the football version it's just undermining the referee at the moment mm-hmm. So in terms of rugby, now I've seen the stadium, you can't hear what the ref's saying, but that's fine, that's a broadcasting. But what you do know in the stadium is you can kind of work out what's being looked at. For example, if they're checking the grounding of the ball on the big screens in the stadium, you will see the grounding being checked from three or four different positions and everyone in the ground goes, okay, they're Mm. clearly checking the grounding and they will run whatever the contentious part of the decision is over and over. So if on the big screen, for example, the ball's in the air and everyone knows, okay, we've seen Wesley going up with the goalkeeper three or four times we know that that's where the infringement lies now I thought at the time the only thing it could have been was the Wesley because there's nothing else there's clearly no offside there's nothing in the build-up to it the other annoyance of course is we've actually had two very similar decisions but on both sides of the spectrum we had the Lansbury goal where the referee blew up and then the ball went in the net and that was wrong now we've had the ball in the net and the referee hasn't blown up and it's been called up and that's been wrong so we've seen We've kind of like I don't know what else we can actually have disallowed using yeah. VAR now. We've had a, we'd have a, we'd had an offside one. What else do they want to give us? Like there's a big grey area that they've created where they've told referees, well, let it play out and see what happens. See, I don't think on uh, in the Brighton game, I don't think it was a let it play moment. I think he he genuinely thought. I think someone has gone is gone in his ear and gone. We're going to have a look at this. You haven't spotted it. You think it's a goal. Everyone else thinks it's a goal. Yeah, because don't don't they check every goal? That's what I can't. Yeah, and then they flag understand. it up to the referee. So this isn't this this is the annoying thing. It isn't hasn't like it's come up on the big screen like in rugby, like in cricket, where people go, the referee has referred this upstairs. Mm. This has come from elsewhere. This is. Hang on, yeah. we're going to have a look at this on your behalf. So that is, and that's under that. Now that is, could there be any more obvious proof of the referee being undermined? He hasn't asked for his decision to be checked. They're checking, it going, "Oh, we think you're wrong." Unless here. it's obvious, where where he's made an obvious mistake and he gets a whisper in his ear saying, "You should look at this again." Yeah, it's not like, like it's like Wesley's bundled him over and then the ball's gone. And it's I, gone yeah, over. and I'm talking about uh, or like there's an off a ball, you know, incident or whatever on the in the lead up to it. But you know, if if you have two people in the VR booth, two people who both think right, that's if one goes, "Yeah, well, no, that's you know, that's a penalty," and the other one goes, mm, "Well, I'm not sure, too sure," then do not consult the referee because it's uh, whatever the referee is saying on the pitch is good enough. But if both of them say, yeah, that's a fucking penalty and the referee hasn't get, given it, then by all means have a word in his ear. But I think two, maybe two people viewing it. So it, uh, if they both agree, then it is, it's beyond just subjective. I mean, I don't know who does it, but I think you, they should now publish that before the game. So you know before a match who your referee is, who your two linesmen are, who your fourth official is. They should have who is the fifth official and is he a, is he a proper referee? Yeah, the ridiculous situation that David Coote, who was the idiot at Villa Park, was the guy who was the the official in the Man United game the following day who called that dodgy decision. Mm. Yeah. So when when do you sit down and sort it out? I mean, it won't be till the end of the season. Christmas Day. Christmas. No chance. It's going to be remembered as a farce of a season, isn't it? Yeah. It's a VAR crash. Yeah. They need to sort it out. <laughs> 
They need to sort it out in season, even if it's on the quiet, because, I mean, you can imagine some big, big decisions that's going to cost well, a lot of teams a lot of money. About, or... you know, at, this, at this time of the season, it's, it's not acceptable, but they're getting away with it because this isn't costing teams relegation or championships or places yeah. in the Champions League. Yeah, you won't until they're getting sued. Yeah, if they're getting sued by a team who should have got top four and be getting yeah. a few hundred million or a team who's been relegated because of a dodgy decision and they've cost them however much it is it's just kind of like you know it's going to it's going to get very lively very quickly okay, sorry going back to that uh, mentioned in the, I mentioned in the three points about the uh, parliamentary committee on the administration of football clubs the FA representative is it Greg Clark said three EFL clubs had basically broken financial fair play and he said you know he's obviously had conversations with them and he said one of them a big club basically said, well, we have a rich owner and we can afford the uh, court fees. So <laughs> try and sue us. I hope that was us. I was thinking, who's that? <laughs> I really hope that was us. Go fuck yourself. I'll play the clip now. If I give you an example of financial fair play in the championship, it, yeah. it clarifies that even more. We had three clubs who broke the rules. And I found each of the chairs and uh, of the owners and said, if you don't comply with the rules, we will sue you. And a large one laughed at us and said, I'm a very rich man and I have very large lawyers. You're welcome. We received a judgment for £54 million in the High Court. The other two settled. In football, there will always be chances you try to break the rules and you have to take them on. Uh, anyway, let's get back to the game. There's a few disappointing performances kicking around. I mean, El Ghazi... Uh... Real passenger. And what a miss... Oh, horrible. I think I think Horahan should have scored in the first place. I mean, he, he should, but you give the keeper straight a little bit down of the middle from point blank yeah. range. The keeper as well, yeah. but Al Ghazi from there, shocking. No composure. You could tell by just the way he was lined up as the ball came to him. It, this was going over. Yeah, it was an awkward body shape, wasn't it? Yeah. Who else? I, I'm going to throw tar- one out there. Target. I was just about to say he had a stinker. Brighton didn't have any problems getting past him, and he was almost like a weak spot that they'd actually targeted. Targeted, you know the, get it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was also in the second half, he had a free kick that was not very clever. And we had a few free kick takers when you on add the pitch. McGinn, Grealish, and a few other people who can just smack yeah. it from, and it was right virtually on the line at the edge of the box. You think you very seldom see even superstars get it up and down from there. When we why could is, really why have is used... Matt Target going to do yeah. that? when he never takes free kicks. To be fair, Grealish did take the piss out of him in his post-match interview. <laughs> that, that free kick was mentioned. <laughs> but he did re- redeem himself on 93 minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah, and I, th- I think Great what finish. you saw there... Brilliant finish. Target and Grealish know each other from you know England uh, mm. under, under you know, whatever, 18, yeah. 2021's youth levels. So, and they, they mm. seem, when Grealish was talking about him... Uh, he synergy. Seemed to, speak with him with a bit of fondness and you saw that you know link up there on that Grealish knew where he was the way where he played that ball in and you saw there's potential partnership there because mm-hmm. obviously Grealish with accommodating Horahan he's kind of going out left uh, a bit more so he's obviously going to be the man out wide left on occasion to link up with Target so there was you know promising signs there for sure I mean Target does superbly I mean you the more you see the replay back of it it's a really well-crafted goal. Obviously, McGinn's ball to Grealish is great. Grealish away sucks two players in, takes them out of the game with one ball. is brilliant. But when you see the target finish slow down, he hits it straight past the goalkeeper's ear. He's never going to get his hands there. It's, it's past him before he even knows where to stand. Because, I mean, there's, there's always the, uh, you know, Ryan should do better. It's in his near post. No chance. But I think it's the speed of it. That's, it's lamped uh, past him, isn't it? So, and it's, and it's, yeah. the, it's, you know, if it's at his feet or tries to go it's in the near post. strike. He's, he's probably going to block that, but the only place mm. he can aim it is past his ear. He, he can't get his hand up there fast enough. It's a brilliant. Although finish. talking on goalkeepers, I think Heaton perhaps also gave up. You know, really showed some. I mean, at least two quality saves. Yeah, the one in the first yeah. half from Connolly his when he's clean through was superb. And I yeah. thought his distribution was sharp. On uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think there was any moment where you thought he took the wrong option in terms because he was rolling it out a I lot. Mean, obviously, you know, what, even yeah. uh, even in the we building out the, the second back. goal, it was it was a long ball over the top, and rather than try and mm. take it down, he just heads it. He just thumps it to. Mc- um, yes. with his head doesn't he and gets yeah. them straight yeah. back yeah. on the I attack I think uh, Target had a little lie down and was feeling his thighs on him basically he's like get the fuck up <laughs> you know I quite like that in a goalkeeper a bit of, bit of mad yeah kind of I like the whole like, Schmeichel thing where he just balls at everyone indiscriminately <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> one thing we've, the, the good thing actually uh, from the, 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 the Brighton game that we've been talking about 
all season, really, and it was both of them were involved. Was the we're starting to see now the upgrade in the fullbacks coming good, you know? Yeah. Um, Gilbert, you know, Gilbert got an assist. Interesting. Yeah, Gilbert was involved in the assist. Target got the goal. Now, mm. would you have seen that in previous seasons from Al Mohamedi and Taylor? I think not. I think there's more to come from uh, Gilbert. I think once he's yeah, I mean, he had confidence cranks he, up a little bit more. I think yeah, he, I think he had a difficult will, afternoon as well because unfortunately, his is excellent. Yeah, he was he was he was just. He was on his own, wasn't he? Because Al Ghazi was yeah. had no intention whatsoever of tracking back. Al Ghazi's, he's, he's, he's just he very really hot. He's either a two out of ten or an eight out of ten, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's kind no... of fair weather, isn't the he? The flip side mm. that Smith obviously saw that hooked him quite early, and I actually thought when he got when he came on, I thought Trezeguet. You started to see the Trezeguet that we want to see. That it will just get his yeah. head down and he will get you up the field quickly. See glimpses, don't you, in these plays? Like in the first yeah. half, I think it was the first half with Al Ghazi. He he he, sh- he showed. Uh, yeah, the real good darting run where he cut inside, and I think it was Webster recovers yeah, it's to block. A great block but it's it? a great run, and you think that that's that's the positive thing you want to see. You just wonder sometimes whether he's he's not necessarily sure what he's doing himself. You know, he's quite spontaneous, and, and whether that yeah. you've got to have that hundred percent natural ability to be able to pull off what you want to do. Do you, do you know what I mean? That he, I'm not sure he's quite got it all of the time. I just want to round off uh, the Grealish discussion. Uh, obviously, uh, everybody's now clamouring for him to uh, be in the England setup. Uh, Gareth Southgate <laughs> yeah. was at Villa Park again, second time this season, both wins. So uh, somebody get him a yeah. season ticket. <laughs> get on the waiting list, Gareth. Now, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've on this podcast basically said Grealish. Judith. We can understand why Grealish <laughs> isn't in the England squad. So mm. Obviously, there's a, there's a few players out there in that position, but we didn't think he'd been really living up to his hype in terms of you know having a like a bigger footprint on in terms of determining you know how the game goes. And in, in this case, he's pretty much his fingerprints and his footprint was all over this game, and he was running the show from start to finish and and appeared almost everywhere on the pitch whether he was like playing at his own 18 yard box with a bit of trickery which you know what the incident i'm referring to where he's in his his own 18 yard box near the uh the touch ah, line yes. and he's, he's, he's got a man on him ball. and he mm. looks like he's about to uh cough it up and then he kind of <laughs> plays him out and then you know plays a pass and gets out and half the crowd are panicking and then obviously applauding him uh, when he pulls it off in 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 terms of applauding something audacious but that I thought that was the first real conclusive proof that there is a role for Grealish in the England team, and it's not just mm. Claret and Blue glasses saying. I mean, oh, I yeah, think I think there's England definitely team. a space in the uh, in the squad. You know, whether he's going to be an England starter, I mm. think you never know really until he gets his chance if he takes it. But is, does he bring something different in the same way that Mings does to a to an overall squad of whatever it is, 20, 22, 24 players that you select? Absolutely, I think so much depends upon form for England players as well that you can yeah. Rashford's a good example of a player like that who you know I was I was just watching the Man United game at the weekend and you know you have people talking about Rashford like writing him off you know very very young footballer still yeah uh, and, and I think the comparison could be had for Grealish the Grealish is, was still even like last season even into this season perhaps is still on a development curve and and I, I just wonder I think the next step for, for for him is is consistency and to be honest, Southgate will look at him, how he performs against the better players of Manchester City and oh, Liverpool. I was just about to say And that. if he can impose mm. himself on those games and get some purchase, then I think you'll see him in the next squad. That's the elite end of the game. And though I thought Brighton were very, very good, they are not Manchester City or Liverpool. Um, I, I thought it was a superb performance. I don't want to take anything away from Grealish's performance against Brighton because it was it really was a fantastic performance. Yeah. But the, the real test will be is if people go bloody hell. Grealish has, has, has imposed himself, you know, and if we can get anything from those games, well, a little yeah, bit like he did in, you know, he did in flashes against when he went to to Arsenal. It's those kind yep. of games. It's yep. it's having these big sort of singular wow moments in matches, and then having the control through it, and that was the, the big. That's where you're word the standout marquee player, aren't you? Yeah. That- you know, yeah. people go. He, he won us that game, and everybody knows that, and all yeah. the neutrals kind of uh, applauded his performance. And it's also as well. that you know he he had that he had the singular moments that you know he scored a goal, made the goal. But it's similar to when we had someone like Gareth Barry when we were very good under O'Neill. He was dictating the tempo, and he was pulling their whole team around. Yeah. Mm. You know, we haven't had a player like that in a long time. Just just to wrap off this Brighton game, I just it's just I find it amazing because you know I'm I'm standing there and it's like 90 minutes we're in into injury time and I'm start you know you start to think about what you know what we're going to say on the podcast about this in terms of where Villa stand and if we I think I just uh, sent you a didn't I just send you all a picture with nonce in it wasn't that <laughs> <I'd> done? <laughs> if we'd have drawn <laughs> that was this my game my summary 
if we'd have drawn this game 1-1, where would you see... Um, we're playing mm. devil's advocate here. Where do you see <laughs> Villa? Because, obviously, you see, the, the press now, it, it hypes up everything. If a team wins, like, for example, Sheffield United beat Arsenal, suddenly Chris Wilder, there's, you know, the Athletic, or whatever it is, putting out headlines like, oh, he's, you know, he's ready for a bigger challenge, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he can do something at a bigger club. It's like, hang on a minute. Sheffield United have just got promoted. Let's see how they do this season. And yeah. then let's be honest, they've just beaten a team who traditionally go to places like Sheffield United on a Monday night and get yeah. turned over. This is mm. Arsenal being classic Arsenal. This isn't this isn't Sheffield United. Grealish has a decent game and suddenly it's after people going, Yeah, he just you know, he just needs to step up a bit more to uh, be worthy of the England team. And then suddenly you're hearing like Danny Murphy going, Oh, Grealish, he's been fantastic from the first day of the season to this game. He's been tremendous. But you're thinking how the narrative changes spin, changes it? such lazy kind of insight. It's unbelievable and nobody's kind of rational and like Dean Smith it's come in it came up to his first anniversary days after we we hammered Norwich now if we'd have drawn against Norwich or lost would they have written those same articles celebrating them as like the second coming no they wouldn't and that was only like you know let's have a bit of rationale that was two wins in eight at that stage in the Premier League it's like just tone it down because this is why people go polar opposite there's like whoever the manager is out or in so and so we trust because it's almost like the media builds up they hype any, any after any positive result it's like super high they're the greatest thing ever blah 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 and if, if they lose it's you know the opposite end of the spectrum so I think we just need to be a bit more uh, calmer I mean look at the Geordies they've beaten Spurs and Manchester United so far and yet they still hate Bruce well that's that's probably an exception to the rule that is a moot point Chris <laughs> we're not talking about 1-1 and and you're looking at we'd have we'd have probably been I think a one place above the relegation zone and it's amazing what a difference that one goal made because and suddenly it would have now, also been the third time we'd have failed to beat ten men yeah and think about the repercussions of that we would have been thinking mm, this is going to be a bit of a this is the third time we haven't taken a great opportunity and other teams are taking these opportunities to beat your Arsenal's to beat your mm-hmm. Spurs's to even beat Manchester City and of course it's you know it's a fledgling team it's early days that and there's a lot of uh, like rational excuses you can use for Villa not winning games. I mean, I've got no problem with that. But at the same time, this team has probably, uh, like we got promoted a season quicker than we expected when, you know, when we were talking about it, let's say at the end of February. We're also more competitive than we probably expected early in the games as well. I mean, we expected to probably pick up uh, two or three wins considering the the fixtures at the start of the season were a bit softer than it's about to become. But that one goal and confidence does change a lot. And to be 11th now instead of 17th or 18th uh, will make a big difference going into that Manchester City game, Liverpool game, which we're now thinking, oh, maybe we can get a point. Maybe well, it becomes a free hit, doesn't it? You're not, you're not desperate. Yeah, maybe mm. we can give Liverpool a, a bit of a scare. I, I don't know what you thought about the Man United Liverpool game. I, I thought that there's there's something to be picked at there. I agree, and and same with City. I think that both of those sides at the back can be got at. Mm. It's whether or not Villa's defence is yeah remains to be seen if they're strong enough. Put it this way, I was glad that Liverpool equalised because I want, as I said on previous shows, I want Villa to be the ones to take their cherry. <laughs> to quote Kevin Keegan, I would love it if we beat them. I'd love it. I'd love it. After that 6-0, just throw that one in. Still still remember, we'd never forget. I mean, the, the, the thing with in, you know, in terms of Liverpool is that they rely on an incredible, I mean, probably the best front three in European football. Fair enough, no arguments. But I look at the guys they've got in midfield. I mean, I'm sorry, but John McGinn against Jordan Henderson, I can see Henderson getting snapped in half. <laughs> <laughs> bold, bold, bold claim. Because... The witching hour has arrived, everyone, for those who wonder when we... <laughs> Because Chris I'm sorry, as much as I, I don't, I don't begrudge <laughs> Liverpool winning the Champions League, but Jordan Henderson is not a Champions League no. winning midfielder. McGinn gets sent off for snapping Henderson, and Villa get beat six 0 again at Villa Park <laughs> with down you to heard ten it here men. First. Yeah. Anyway, that we this seems to be the second or third podcast we, that we've gone off on a tangent talking about the Liverpool game. You can you can almost sense our excitement of that of that clash. We're going to do a three hour special of anti preview against <laughs> Liverpool. We've got about seven hours worth of hatred in us. <laughs> 
Anyway, let's uh, let's close this one out. We're going to. Uh, people have been asking about doing a medium Muppets section of the show. I mean, this is something we've actually trialed uh, earlier on. There's a situation where you can just get two or three stories and you just bag them out, and then that just becomes repetitive. So I think. I mean, I was keen to do it because what I wanted to do is replicate the site and the best bits of the site. And I haven't done a medium Muppets for a, you know good few months just because it just became it's like an avalanche of shit that uh, some of the local press com- puts out and a lot of those sh- sh- hacky websites so it's almost like everything is medium uppetry and you just want to turn your back and walk away from it and you know it's partly where I focus more on getting the uh, podcast up to scratch and out uh, weekly but uh, I think there is something in it so if, if you're in the mad few uh, facebook group which is dedicated to the show do drop us a media muppets uh, article with related articles and it's something that maybe we could do monthly don't you think or even fortnightly Mm. they're the best bits yeah because i mean one that got sent in was uh, i think in the birmingham mail or birmingham live writing about like the token article that most local papers they just changed the name of the club writing about the list of available free transfers that uh, villa could get and it actually included a couple of Villa players on the list, which uh, the people who sent in thought it was Jonathan a bit of a... Conjure, wasn't it, one of them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and, and James, Chester James Chester as well. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. Let's go and buy James uh, Chester and Codger. But yeah, feel free uh, if you're a member of that group, and uh, if you're not, then uh, join it so you can stay in touch with the show during the week, and we will uh, do a medium Muppets. Also, Scott Hogan touch count. We were going to have Max Stokes on tonight to have a crack at Dan Rogers' reigning title, but he went off to see the Villa under-23s instead and hang out with his mate Dean Smith <laughs> and and uh, John Terry. But I've, I just thought of something, actually, because we, we know never thought the Scott Hogan touch count would ever, ever amount to anything. It was just kind of a one-off. Piss take. <laughs> so we didn't really put any structure to it. And that's kind of been evolving slowly. And I haven't actually spoken to you guys about this. So we've got this concept of the reigning champion, like you play in pool, winner stays on. So I think we stay keep that. But in these situations where the other guys can't be we should be keeping tallies of what the score is between each other, like a test match. So you it's an ongoing thing. It's like top trumps. So I may go back. Nothing like top trumps. It's, it's a bit like a fight. <laughs> in, 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 <laughs> no, I was just about to say. So I'm going to go back and count who's how many times. Chris is the Afghanistan of cricket. How many how many times you've beaten each other, whatever. So we have that ongoing tally to make any game interesting, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So there's something at stake every time. Mm. I mean, I had a pretty good run for a while. Dan's had a pretty yeah. good run. Max has been getting owned since day one. Really, so. but uh, but yeah, no. So there, so there's a chance if I go back and do the uh, the stats that suddenly Chris Bud's uh, gra- gravitas, his gravitas increases because we'll find he's out that it's so. actually five all between you. Anyway, the next uh, <laughs> next week we will be introducing uh, a new sponsor to uh, Scott Hogan Touch Count uh, for that week, which has a uh, kind of a nice. Uh, I think it's a sponsor that can give you something that you might be interested in. So uh, hold on for news of that. Uh, but let's have a quick friendly Scott Hogan mm. Touch Count now. Is it ever friendly? No. We could, this can go on to the tally. It's not for the title though. Your your title's safe, Rogers. You can. Uh, Is this like one that... of those shit pre-season tournaments that you kind of get a trophy, but it doesn't really mean anything well no this just goes on don't to make him tally. bring the peace cup up again we don't we don't know what the tally is between the two of you, you but this the will be toto dan this oh, will be added to the tally uh we'll let the champion go first so you may be cheating we'll go scott hogan fuck it he came on 75 minutes 15 minutes played in stokes stoke is starting to win again yes because they've 15, dropped Butland, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. They beat. They kept a clean sheet. They beat Fulham 2-0. Happy days. Another win under the belt. And fucking Huddersfield mm. are winning as well and under that fucking Judas uh, Danny Danny. <laughs> you had Cowley. to slip that in. <laughs> Let it fucking go, Dave. They've started winning. I don't like the smell of that. What's going on there? Anyway, uh, Scott Hogan, 15 minutes. How many touches did he have? Dan Rogers, mm, first go. 15 minutes. I reckon he had six touches, Dave. Mr. Bird. Uh, five. Oh, it's still alive. Dan Rogers, Ooh. second guess. Mm. Nine touches. Mr. Bird, can he Four. nail it? Oh, he's got it. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> oh. He goes 1-0 up. Football is the winner, Route 1, Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, hang on, what's this? VAR is reviewing, <laughs> re- reviewing the decision. There's someone at my window making a square sign. <laughs> 
That's not a square, Chris. Uh, let's go. Let's go round two here. Another man who came on. <laughs> another man who came on on the seventy fifth minute was uh, Keenan Davis for Aston Villa against oh, Brighton. This is tricky one. This. He had a good effort. To be fair, Chris he? Budd can go first on this one. How many touches in fifteen minutes? Uh, eight. Dan Rogers. Fourteen. Chris Bird, it's still alive. Um, Come on, you're not allowed enough nine. time. So, sorry, let me just refresh here. How many? What did you go first time? Eight, Eight and a nine, and we've got a fourteen. Second guess from uh, the Rogers. Eleven. Right, we're going into the third round. Okay. Mm. What's the clue? Uh, you're in the ballparkish, so I don't think there's a need for another clue. So we'll just go for the deciding guess, and then the closest uh, will take the round. Ten. Thirteen. So what was your uh, basis for these higher than I expected? Uh, mm. We're talking 15 minutes. Did you see a man that was active in the game? It bounced off him a lot. <laughs> it did bounce off him a hell of a lot, didn't it? Yeah. And whether, whether or not they were actually meaningful touches is another matter. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they were counted because he ended up with six oh. touches. So Chris yeah. Budd wins 2-0. Oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure about that one. I think, we're, I think we all feel a bit deflated by that one, don't we? I don't really feel like a victory there. I'm losing my passion for the Keenan Davis touch game meter. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we have Codger on soon? It was that it was either bouncing <laughs> off him, but there was one moment where he took on about three or four players. He had a shot, didn't so he? So I, I thought that was like six touches in just that one move. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we'll, I will uh, do the tallies uh, in the next few days, and I'll add that one on for the bud. No, I'll do that, that one. Yeah, you know, I did that one on it's for not... the bud. You're adding that two on for the bud. What do you mean mm. two? I'd have won both. Well, no, it's one game, though. Best of three. You know the rules. I should explain the rules before I go into a Scott uh, Scott Hogan touch count meter because new listeners won't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> it's a permanent state. If you're listening for the first time, I'll explain the rules in the next episode. That will give you an incentive to listen. Right, okay, on that note, uh, please do take the time to rate and review the show on uh, Apple or Spotify or whatever way you listen to your pods. It just uh, it kind of helps helps the show it makes it easier for potential listeners to find and uh, if they see that it's uh, worth their while from your reviews then obviously uh, we get more followers and more friends in the mad few so uh, please do uh, take the time to review it on whatever platform you listen to as well any final words gentlemen it's going to get hairy in the next few games isn't it mm, it could be it could go one or two ways we could be going oh what's nice that goal difference whilst it lasted <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad well, we scored five at Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> mm, it would go one or two ways, and we might all be like, mm. or it could be fucking El Mings. Uh, he should be captain of England after I mean, those two the, performances the potential, against the potential Manchester. Problem is, if we go to City and get something, and then if, or if we beat one of these two, the oh my god, we're going to win the league brigade are going to come out in force. Oh, it's got classic Villa. They will we'll go to we'll go and get something from Man City and Liverpool and lose to Wolves. It will be one yeah. of those. <laughs> but to be honest, uh, if we if we got one point from those two game, league games, I'd I'd be happy with that because mm, that would be a more than most will get. Exactly. Mm. So we'll uh, we'll leave it there. I mean, we'll obviously have a uh, show before the Liverpool game, and well, we might sneak something in before the that Doghead game as well. Which, uh, as a, I think, it's a nice little sideshow. Full house, loads of Dogheads in the house, and. <laughs> uh, be interesting to see what team we play. I think Grealish will get minutes in that. It's not as if we're rest. We'll be resting players, I would say. Oh, definitely not. And obviously, Wolves have got a lot of away trips in those in those uh, days before and after. Yep, Bratislava to Newcastle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Right. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. goodbye. Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. October 18th, 2019. Ironical experience as I was trapped by a competitor, uh, the authorities, while I've been away in China. I haven't been arrested, uh, as borne out by being able to send this tweet from prison. I am not in hiding in a cave in Afghanistan. The claims are false. True and have been created by a local competitor, the police, attempted to cause damage to me. Legal action to follow. Probably against me. October 18th. Also very funny. 
How some people talk when they wanted to take Villain into administration, which would have meant minus 12 points and a very bleak Yorkshire northern future, but ask for payment for himself. Uh, open brackets, uh, insinuating former employee involved in tribunal with uh, I'm never regretful for what I tried for beloved A.V., including the best exit in circumstances, is um, leaving the country at first opportunity. October 18th, 2019, three of three before they jail me. I only took one word, veritas, with me. As an assign, I fucking prized it off with crowbar. I took it with me when I completed my education at Harvard, slash printed it off on a Lexmark, and I've followed it since then. Though they are very different in many ways in my home country, but you can never hate your mother or anything you disagree or dislike. Was hoping sports can embrace all. Goodbye, my friends. UTV! Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host and editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me, as usual, Mr. Dan Rogers of the Villa Underground and Mr. Club. Mr. Club? <laughs> I am I am the man of the club. <laughs> club Alanger from R- Rocky 3. Mr. Clubfoot. <laughs> Mr. Clubfoot. It's Wesley. Mr. <laughs> I am a walking Sky Sports jingle. Mr. Club. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> if you like a lot of chocolate on your chocolate biscuit, on your join biscuit. <laughs> And Mr. Chris Blood. Blood. <laughs> I'm now on Arsenal fan TV. You get to me. Blood. Fucking hell. Have another go. Third, sh- third time lucky, Dave. <laughs> David had a stroke. That's pretty good. That's a complete meltdown. Oh, dear. That's worrying. I'm, I got all these emails today about dementia. I think, uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.